right, good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Glad to be worshiping with all of you. Uh, yeah, so if you haven't already, please turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5, starting from verse 8, and we're actually going to uh, verse 9 today, so I'll make sure we'll cover that part. I think it was missed in the scripture reading. Uh, but we are more than halfway through this book. Uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, we've been looking at this book of Ecclesiastes for about a month now. And this, this exile series is, is part of the main theme of our church for this year. Uh, because of a sin, humanity was exiled from God's life-giving presence in the Garden of Eden. And since then, we've been living as exiles. Uh, you know, we're living away from God's presence. And in this world, away from God's presence, it's very fleeting. It's very disorderly. It's full of unju injustice or injustice and uncertainties. And this book of Ecclesiastes offers uh, God's people wisdom for life in spiritual exile. So since we're more than halfway through this book, uh, I thought it'd be fun to start off with a little quiz to see how much uh, you've been able to remember for those of you who have been tuning in for the past couple weeks. So I'm going to ask a series of uh, multiple choice questions. Uh, you can respond by raising your hand when I review the letter option A, B, C, or D. You can just raise your hand quickly. So, so, so let's start. Uh, the first question is this. The main theme of Ecclesiastes is A, life under the sun is tiring. B, life is all about working hard. C, life is vanity. Or D, life is about looking for the best gain. All right, so raise your hand if you, th if you think the answer is A. A, anyone? No? A B? Everyone's probably looking at each other like <laughs> C. C? All right, the answer is C. Good, good. The answer is C, life is vanity or, or hevel in Hebrew. Okay, so, so next question builds off of this first question. Uh, vanity or, or hevel does not mean, okay, A, meaningless, B, smoke, C, emptiness, or D, wayward. All right, so this is a tricky one uh, because you need to think about what the wrong answer is out of all of the right ones. All right, so raise your hand if you think the answer is A. A, okay. B, C, D. All right, the correct choice is, is D. Uh, vanity or hevel, it does mean meaningless. It does mean smoke or emptiness. It does not mean wayward. All right, it looks like we've been doing so pretty well so far. Uh, bonus question, all right. So hevel, or vanity, is repeated how many times? A, 38, B, 36, C, 39, D, 37. All right, bonus question. Who thinks it's A? A, okay. B, C, D. All right, we're, we're all over the place with this one. The correct answer is 38. All right, 38. Um, so 38 is the number of times Hevel is mentioned, and it's, it's repeated again and again to get across a point that life cannot be controlled, grasped, or understood in the way that people hope. Now, there are two other words that are, are repeated many times in this uh, book. Uh, one is God, and the other is good. Uh, God is mentioned 39 times, and good is mentioned 51 times. And that's because the focus of Ecclesiastes is to point people to where good can be found in a world that's full of hevel. 
so, so far in this series, we've looked at several ways that the world is, is vanity or meaningless. Uh, we, we've looked at the pursuit of, of pleasure and wisdom and work. Um, we've looked at the human experience of time. We've looked at injustice and oppression. And, and the focus for today's passage is on the, the emptiness of human desire. The emptiness of human desire. Uh, so w- w- why don't you pray with me as we start? Lord Jesus, would you give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord? Holy Spirit, would you help us to see the truth of God, help us to see the beauty of your word in a new way, in a deeper way, Lord? Would it fill us with so much uh, joy and delight as we realize the truth about this world and who you are through it all? Yeah, Father in heaven, would you just pour out your grace and your compassion and your love to each of us this morning as we listen to your word. In your name we pray, amen. So I just want us to think about a question. Uh, What are things in life that you enjoy doing? Or what are things in life that, that you, you personally enjoy doing? Maybe it's you know, going for a run or riding your bike uh, by the water. Uh, maybe it's waking up early uh, to hike up a mountain and, and wonder at the sunrise. Uh, maybe it's reading a good book in the comfort of your own room. Or perhaps it's uh, taking time to cook a very nice meal and sharing it with others. Uh, you know, these moments of enjoyment is usually what we post on social media. You know, we take a picture of the, of the sunrise and post, oh, totally worth the lack of sleep. Hashtag early mornings, I know, something like that. Uh, that that's not me. <laughs> uh, there are many things to enjoy about life, and it's important to take time to do so. Uh, th- this value is, is built into common sayings and inspirational quotes. Uh, some of them are, uh, count your blessings, uh, enjoy the little things in life, be grateful, slow down, enjoy life. It, it's seen in, in, in how uh, we parent. Uh, parents will, will yell at their kids, uh, stop watching TV, you know, stop playing video games, go out and enjoy life, no, don't waste your life. <laughs> uh, I was the kid that got yelled at. <laughs> you know, li- life is good and it should be enjoyed. Uh, But very often, there seems to be something that hinders our enjoyment of life. A a sense that something is missing that that keeps us from fully enjoying life the way we should. You know, people are are too busy these days. City life is is too fast-paced, or or we're too immersed in technology. You know, the the list of reasons could go on and and on and on. Uh, People are on this search to find enjoyment in life. And this search can take people to to many different places, uh, perhaps a drastic change in in lifestyle. Uh, In Hong Kong, uh, there's been a movement of people who, who in the challenges of of living in small apartments during COVID, have have found living in camper vans or or homemade uh, camper vans a more enjoyable way to live. Uh, They love the freedom of driving to different locations around the city uh, to stay the night. Uh, If you want to know more, you can search Caravan and Camper Club Hong Kong. (laughs) It's a real site, real group. 
the main focus of today's passage is enjoyment of life and human desire. Enjoyment of life and human desire. It answers the questions, how can life be enjoyed? And what keeps people from enjoying life? You know, life should be enjoyed, but people can't seem to really do it fully. Uh, you know, these many quotes about enjoying life reveal that people don't enjoy life the way they should, or they wouldn't have to keep coming up with these quotes. The question is, is, is how? How? And this passage answers these questions uh, through a series of four observations about life. So we're going to take a look at these four observations and, and consider what they mean for us. And the first two observations have to do with the effects of loving wealth, loving money. And, and the first observation is this, that the love of wealth oppresses and does not satisfy. So if you look in your Bibles, verse 8, chapter 5, verse 8, it, it starts by saying that finding oppression of the poor and injustice in a country shouldn't be surprising. The reason is because there is a hierarchy of people in positions of power that are all watching out for each other. They're all watching over each other to make sure that their own positions and their own interests are protected and safe. Uh, systems of government oppress and are unjust because the people who run them are so focused on themselves that they don't help those in need under them the way that they should. And the source of this problem goes back to the human heart. So, so verse 10 tells us that the heart is in love with money or tells us about the person whose heart is in love with money. Uh, these officials love money more than people and will neglect people, will step on people to get money. And last week's message focused on oppression in the world coming from human envy. Uh, this week adds an additional note saying it also comes from the love of money. And then this uh, passage goes on to expose the problems that money brings as a way of warning. Uh, first, money doesn't satisfy human desire. Uh, when, when you're thirsty, uh, eating more food is not going to help you. What you desire in your heart can't be satisfied with money. Second, having more money doesn't really put you in a better position. Uh, verse 11 says, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. Basically, the more you have, the more mouths you have to feed, the more people you have to share it with, uh, whether that's a friend or family in need, whether that's taxes or charities asking for donations, or whether that's employing people to, to support your lifestyle. You can hire three more maids, a chauffeur, a bodyguard, a cook, a house manager. Uh, more money means more work and responsibility, and with all of that, what, what advantage do you have over the person who gets your money? The only thing you have is the pleasure of seeing all of your money go to different places. Look at your spreadsheet. This is where all your money goes. Your spreadsheet is just a lot bigger if you have more money. It might go into an investment, a donation, ultimately a will. In the end, it might be better to be the person on the receiving end than on the giving end. Uh, verse 12 continues to reflect, reflect um, on having wealth by observing that wealth can actually hinder enjoyment of life's simple pleasures. Uh, the rich person, though he has a full stomach, 
is not even able to sleep. And the phrase full stomach refers to an abundance of things, of material possessions, and not just food. Uh, the rich person spends his time worrying over how his money is doing, looking at his, his, his stocks on, on, on his phone, how they're doing, looking at the Bitcoin. Uh, he lives in fear of losing his assets, wondering if the security in the house is good enough. And these things all keep him up so he can't enjoy sleep. Uh, the, the poor laborer, on the other hand, after an exhausting day of work, can always enjoy that sleep, no matter what worries or problems he has. He's so tired, he just, he just sleeps, and he enjoys that however many hours he has. Money and wealth don't satisfy. It doesn't give more enjoyment of life than the person with less money. In fact, the problem money brings could even result in less enjoyment. More than that, the love of money, uh, the desire for money, is what brings about injustice and oppression that we see in the world. Uh, the next observation expands on this first point by stating, uh, love of wealth hinders enjoyment. Uh, verse 13 shares this case study that the author observes of somebody in real life and in his day who spent his whole life accumulating wealth and what it led to. First, the time that was spent getting wealth didn't benefit this person's life. It actually harmed him. Riches were kept to his hurt. Uh, perhaps the time spending uh, to, to get rich caused a lot of anxiety and stress. Uh, perhaps it led to relational issues with the family. A second, not only did this process of getting wealth harm the person, uh, he suddenly lost it all through a bad venture. Uh, the result was that there's nothing for him to pass on to his son. Uh, seeking wealth brought harm to the man. It left him with nothing. It didn't bring any good for him or his family. It just resulted in a whole lot of wasted time. This is a, a grievous evil. Another way to translate this is miserable tragedy. Uh, the point is that the sad reality of life under the sun is that people are sometimes left hurt by the very thing that they pursue to help them. And this is something that's, that's not right. It doesn't make sense. In this life under the sun, the end result is that a person will leave life with nothing to take from it. As he comes from his mother's womb, so shall he go again, naked. The love of wealth will sooner or later let you down. Uh, let you down in the enjoyment of life that it falsely promises. Uh, let you down in the stability of life that it falsely promises. Uh, the person who loves wealth is described like this in verse 17. All his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and anger. Eating is, eating is one of life's pleasures, uh, something that's supposed to be enjoyable. It's used as a metaphor here in this verse to speak about all of life's pleasures. Uh, the ironic thing is that all the eating for this rich person is done in darkness. Uh, the things in life that are supposed to be enjoyable are not enjoyed as they should be for this person who loves wealth. Uh, so, several years ago, I went on a cruise to the Bahamas. It was supposed to be an enjoyable time with a lot of sun. We're, we're going to go to a private beach on an island. 
And the cruise ship itself was very nice. It had great restaurants and fun activities. Uh, two days later, a huge storm hit the Caribbean Sea, and it made the whole cruise a miserable experience. Uh, the warm weather suddenly turned cold. Uh, some of the cabins were flooded with water, leaving people actually having to like, be stranded on the upper levels with no room of their own. And the waves were, were so big that the ship would swing 180 degrees side to side very suddenly and very randomly and frequently. I remember I was laying on my bed, I was holding on to the side, like, 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 like I don't want to fall off. Literally, that, that was my experience for like, the rest of the, the rest of the cruise at night. Uh, every, everything was closed down. There wasn't much you could do but sit in your room. Uh, this storm took the enjoyment out of the cruise. Uh, the love of money is a storm of desire that takes the enjoyment out of life and makes the experience of life one of darkness, one that can be described as vexation and sickness and anger. Love of wealth oppresses, it doesn't satisfy, it hinders enjoyment. Uh, we've been told so far what, what to avoid. The answer we're looking for is where, is where can it be found and how do we find it? And the answer is, is told us in verses 18 to 20 of chapter 5. Behold, I have seen to be a good and fitting to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. Verse 18 tells us that enjoyment should be found in your eating, your drinking, and toil. Uh, in other words, enjoyment should be found in what you already have in life what you have to eat and drink, what you do to make a living, whatever that may be. Enjoyment in what you have isn't something that's found or produced. It's something that's received from God. In these three verses, God is repeated many times, and each time we're told that God gives something. God gives the few days of life that people enjoy. God gives everything a person can have in life, a wealth, possessions, power. God gives the power or ability for people to enjoy what they have in life. The main point for this morning is this. Escape the misery of human desire by turning to God daily for joy and contentment. Escape the misery of human desire by turning to God daily for joy and contentment. The problem isn't wealth or possessions themselves. It's the love of wealth, uh, the human desire for wealth. The desire for wealth is a grievous evil that brings about miserable tragedies. The way to escape from it is to turn to God for enjoyment of life. Now, now if, you've, if you've been following along with this Ecclesiastes uh, set of sermons, you might remember something similar has already been talked about. If so, uh, you're right. The theme of finding enjoyment and God giving it has been repeated three times already, and it's going to be repeated 
a few more times before this book ends. Uh, most of the mentions of God and good are, are found in, in these types of passages, the, these recap passages. The reason why is because the more you understand how hevel, how empty and meaningless your life is, the more you will turn to the God who can fill it. And as you do this, you stop living as people under the sun. You stop living as people bound to this limited, fleeting, physical world. Instead, you start to live as a spiritual exile who looks outside this world to the eternal, unchanging God who sits enthroned above it all. So as we come halfway through Ecclesiastes, I want us to take some time to pause and reflect. Are you responding to God's word in the right way? You know, over the past couple months, have you turned your heart in desperation to receive from God? Have you caught on to how meaningless and empty your existence really is? Do you find yourself looking heavenward more often? Or do you find yourself stuck looking down at the world, worrying about life under the sun? Have you lived less godlessly and more godly? Have you spent more time seeking the creator instead of created things? See, as we grasp these truths, it's meant to humble us. It's meant to break our pride so that we can't go one day without lifting our hands to heaven and crying out, give us this day our daily bread. And we don't move on from that place until we get it from our God. You know, ho hopefully, by God's grace, you've been seeking him more, whatever that means, whatever that looks like. But the reality is we don't seek God the way that we should all the time. Most of the time we don't, so we constantly need to be reminded again and again and again. And so what this passage does is continue to underline this importance. So the, so the rest of the verses which we'll look at expand on these two points while making new ones. Uh, let's go back to looking at God's word and see how that adds to, to this point. Uh, point three elaborates on the fact that enjoyment comes from God alone. If you look at chapter 6, verse 1, it points out another miserable tragedy. In this new case study, God gives a person absolutely everything, a wealth, power, fame, respect, honor, you know, all that this person is looking for, God has given it. But no matter how much they have, uh, this person is not able to enjoy it without God giving it to him. And this is a tragedy. It's vanity. It's meaningless for someone to receive so much but find no satisfaction in it. Uh, verse 3 continues to explore ways that satisfaction might be found. If not in riches and power, perhaps the answer might be in having many offspring or, or living a long life. Uh, chapter 6, verse 6 talks about a life that spans thousands of years. You know, having many offspring and living a long life, to not only be able to see your grandchildren, but your great-grandchildren, was the Israelite ideal of the best and most satisfying life to have. 
And in this way, it's actually quite similar to traditional Chinese values about life. But the conclusion is that long life and many offspring do not guarantee enjoyment of life. Uh, you could have it all, but, you're still, but your soul can still be left unable to enjoy these good things. Uh, you could live 2,000 years, but be absolutely miserable throughout those times. Uh, enjoyment doesn't come from what you get in life, what you have. Enjoyment comes from God and God alone. And this leads us to our final point. Enjoyment determines advantage in life. Enjoyment determines advantage. Uh, back to that same passage in, chapter, in verse, verse 3 to 6. Uh, the man with everything but no enjoyment is compared to an infant who dies at birth. The conclusion is that the state of the infant is better. And the point here isn't to make, how light, isn't to make light of how horrible a stillborn death is. Uh, no, it, it's tragic. It, it's, it's a sad event. Uh, the infant suffers darkness. It passes away unknown and unnamed with nothing unable to enjoy any good in life. The point, though, is that the fate of a person who lives life but cannot enjoy it is even worse than this stillborn this person spends their entire existence searching for satisfaction only to experience restlessness, anxiety, and trouble. Instead, instead of spending however many years living in this darkness, it would have been better to pass away quickly and quietly as a stillborn does. Living controlled by human desire without being able to enjoy life is a tragic and sorry state of existence. And this is the default state of people like me and you who live under this sun. Uh, verse 7, uh, the final part of this passage, makes it clear where the root of the problem lies. Uh, all the toil of a man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. The point is that people exert energy to satisfy their desires, but their desires aren't satisfied. You know, physically, we work to eat, to live, but come morning again, you feel hungry again. Uh, spiritually speaking, people work to find satisfaction in various ways, but they're never satisfied. And this problem is the same no matter who you are. You, you can be a very wise person. You can have a lot of knowledge and experience about life, but that doesn't bring you any more satisfaction than a foolish person who has none of it. Uh, the poor person who lives well, who doesn't indulge in the temptations of wealth, is no more closer to quenching the, the, the desire than the rich person who has it all. And whether rich or poor, it makes no difference when it comes to your ability to enjoy life. And verse 9 ends with the final statement of this passage. Uh, better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. You know, eyes are one part of the body that allows a person to enjoy life through seeing. Uh, the idea is that it's better to be able to enjoy what one can see, what, what one presently has, than to live with a desire that cannot be controlled. And, and the implicit point is this. Uh, though there is plenty in a person's life to see, the inward wandering of the desire prevents them from being able to enjoy what's in front of them. Fun fact about Hong Kong. Um, it has seven three-star rated Michelin restaurants currently, right, from my last search on the internet. And one of them is a restaurant called Caprice, located in the Four Seasons Hotel. 
Uh, perhaps some of you have had the privilege of dining there. It's a French restaurant. A meal there would cost you more than $2,000 HKD. Now, I just want you to imagine for a second, imagine that you get invited to be treated for a full meal course at the Caprice. But as you sit down and, and you take your first bite, you take the first bite of that really, really uh, eye-satisfying appetizer, you lose all sense of smell and taste. You eat the whole meal without being able to enjoy it. Wouldn't you feel that going to that restaurant was a complete waste? Living life knowing that we should enjoy life but not really able to do it is a waste. It's heavy. It's meaningless. Escape the misery of human desire by turning to God for joy and contentment. Now, this passage starts with the problem of the love of money, but it ends with this desire of the heart that can't be quenched. The main idea is this. It's not really about wealth. It's about what wealth can give us or what wealth promises to give us. It promises to satisfy these various desires. Whether we're seeking money or something that we can get from it, the result is the same. We're left unsatisfied, unable to enjoy good things in life. Sin has twisted the human heart into something miserable, where we have desires but are never satisfied, where we have things but are unable to enjoy them. And this brings us back to the solution in verses 18 to 20. We have to turn our heart to receive his gift of joy. And there are a couple of th things that we need to do to be able to do this. Uh, the first is to stop looking to change your circumstances to find enjoyment. Instead, you need to seek to find enjoyment in your circumstance. Whatever your income bracket is, whatever work you do, no matter how little you feel that you have, you need to accept your lot in life. God sovereignly controls the giving of all things in life. Whatever you have has been determined by God for you. The next thing you need to do is to turn your heart to ask God to give you the power to enjoy what you have. God is able to give something that transcends your circumstances. At verse 20, he's able to fill a person's heart with so much joy that they can fully enjoy the good things that God has in life with thankfulness, even in the midst of the hevel under the sun. Without God, you are subjected to the miserable fate of perhaps having everything but nothing. Outwardly, you're rich, but inwardly, you're empty. Now, now, in this book of Ecclesiastes, it's actually not certain how and who God will give this gift to. But Ecclesiastes isn't the end of God's message in the Bible. Uh, God's intention is to give humanity this gift of enjoyment through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the greatest gift that God has given. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. All the good things that God promises to give people are given through Jesus. And when Jesus came, he said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus gives eternal abundant life that satisfies the heart. The life Jesus gives saves us from the emptiness of our desires. And Jesus called people to receive this gift of God by faith and repentance. And this means admitting that pursuing your desires are leading you nowhere and to stop. 
It means believing that the life of contentment and joy can only be found in Jesus. Lastly, it means to choose to follow what Jesus desires and submit how you live your life to him. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Uh, serving a master is probably a foreign concept to us. Uh, so, so let me put it another way. Just like it's wrong and impossible for a person to marry two spouses and serve them both fully and equally, just like it's impossible for you to be physically present in two places at once, it's impossible for you to follow both your desires and God's desires at the same time. To receive joy and satisfaction from God each day of your life, you need to be serving Him and Him alone. You must be devoted and focused on doing what God desires over what you currently desire. It's only when your heart is oriented in the right place that you can receive God's gift of life. You need to escape the misery of human desire by turning to God for daily joy and contentment. The key to doing this isn't simply knowing who to go to for satisfaction. It's turning the direction of your heart. Right, think about it this way. Your heart is like this water bottle. Uh, the desires of your heart can take you to many different places, here and there, everywhere. Uh, what, what's important, however, is which direction your heart is facing every day. Because knowing enjoyment comes from God and receiving enjoyment from God are, are, are two different things. You can know enjoyment comes from God. You can go to God. You can pray to him every day asking for his gift you can be in the right area, but looking down, seeking other desires. If your heart's turned in the wrong direction, like this water bottle from the water source, you won't be able to receive from God what he wants to give. To receive from God, you can't be trying to serve both what you desire and what God desires. When you're trying to serve two masters, you still get nothing. <laughs> The only way to receive from God is to go to him with your heart pointed in the right direction. Only when you go to God with an open heart that seeks what he desires can you receive from him. And this is the heart posture that's needed each day and each moment of your life. Uh, one of the practices I have in my life is to have a to-do list. And on this list, I write down, in order of importance, tasks that I need to complete uh, each day, each week, and each month. Uh, perhaps you do something similar. Uh, if not, think, imagine that you do. Think that you have a to-do list every day. What would be the top of your daily life goal list? Turning your heart to God to receive joy needs to be first. I just want to invite the worship team to come up. So I want us to have a time to, to reflect, reflect on God's word that we just heard. Uh, there's a couple of questions I want us to think about as, as we reflect. How are you discontent or unsatisfied in life? How are you discontent and unsatisfied with your life? Oh, which desires are you seeking to fulfill right now? In other words, which direction 
is your heart facing? What does it look like for you to stop pursuing your desires and to turn to seek what God wants? Right? So how are you discontent about your life? What desires are you seeking to fulfill? What does it look like for you to turn to seek God? Let's spend some time in just quiet reflection and meditation. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you search our hearts right now? That we ask that you just come and bring to the forefront of our thoughts and our feelings those things you want us to know, to be aware of. Father, you are the God who gives all good things. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. Help us to believe that, to trust that, that you are our Father who gives good gifts and you want to give your gifts of life and contentment and joy here and now to us each day. Pray that we would believe who you are. I pray, God, that you would lead us to turn away from what we're desiring and to experience this gift so fully, deeper than we already, we already do, God, that we would taste and see that, that you are good, that even though we face so many troubles in this life, the joy that you give us makes them pass away so quickly, just like a dad carries a child in his arms through the darkest storms. You are carrying us through this journey of exile draw close to us right now would you lead us to to turn away lord to repent the desires that we are pursuing god and to trust you would we as a church grow in joy that each day we we gather each each week we gather god it would be an overpouring of singing praises to you for your goodness for your the joy that you've given to us in your name we pray